Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Michael Braithwaite, the CEO of Blue Door Shelters. Welcome, Michael. Glad to be here, March. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, very good to be talking with you. Michael, can you tell us a little about yourself and how you came to be at Blue Door? Uh, for sure, for sure. I, thanks, March. I've been in the social sector for just 30 years this year. So 30 years, I uh, spent a long time at the YMCA, different capacities in Niagara, Toronto, uh, Hamilton, Burlington, Brantford area. And then in 2010, I had the good fortune of coming to York region and working for a group at the time that was called Pathways for Youth, Children and Families. We changed that to 360 Kids, did some fun work there with uh, youth experiencing homelessness, and then um, was able to go to Raising the Roof for a couple of years, more national think tank focus, but missed the grassroots stuff. And, and when I was in York region, always loved the work that the Blue Door team was doing. And in 2019, um, it was uh, I had the good fortune of coming to Blue Door as their CEO and working with the team here. And, and Blue Door uh, has been doing this work for over 40 years now and has made an incredible impact with our most vulnerable. Right. Very good. Well, impressive what you have done. Can you tell us, like, what do you do at Blue Door? Like, lots happens up there, but what do you do? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you could tell me. Now, you know what? I, I think a lot of uh, it, it works well when you have the right team together. And any success that I've been lucky enough to have is because I have the right people around me and we played each other's strengths. And and my strengths really are around that relationship building, the innovation, uh, finding funds and people to get on board, the kind of unusual partnerships, that type of thing. I'm able to do that but only because I have amazing people on my team that then operationalize all that, uh, get the dollars, write the grants, do all that, you know, the, the actual work to get them off the ground. And together, it's a great, uh, you know, and, and also, I mean, most recently we had Mosaic Interfaith and the Cold, we came together because it was what's best for clients. And listen, if anyone you know knows Rahana Sumar, that's an example of leadership. A leader looks at their organization and says, what is best for my clients, not what is best for me. Um, and she did that and said, for the long-term of this program, for the long-term of housing people coming together with Blue Door would be perfect. She did that and kudos, I think, perfect example of leadership in its finest form. Uh, so so I work with great leaders like Rahana, uh, Emmy Kelly, and then I work with my partners across the region, Clovis Grant, Laura Sarenda, uh, so many others that we all do our little piece and supporting our most vulnerable. And, and uh, I love it. And, and kind of some of that work you and I will be at uh, later today, uh, letting our federal leaders know that their budget didn't quite hit the mark and it's up to us to push them hard. Uh, so next time it does. Yeah, and I think that idea that uh, you are a spokesperson for the vulnerable people, for the people doing the work, uh, you are very good at talking to people and really making things happen. So uh, I am pleased that you're part of this community helping the vulnerable people here. 
Uh, I have had people say to me, some really good people, people I really care about, but they, they said to me, you know, why can't the homeless just go out and get a job? Like there's lots of hiring help wanted signs. Um, well, why do you think, what do you, I know that's not the answer. How do you answer them? What would you say to them? And I, I think, you know what, um, I understand that people see, okay, we've got a massive labor shortage and we have many people who can't make a living. Why don't those things just match up? The, the passing of homelessness for many, many people um, include uh, vicarious trauma, uh, family breakdown, all sorts of different things, sometimes addictions, mental health, um, and and even working people who can't afford the uh, crazy rents and cost of living that are out there right now. So it's not as simple as just finding a job for many people experiencing homelessness because of their mental and physical health uh, or the trauma that's led them into homelessness. They they simply can't. Uh, they're not at a stage in life where they can work right now, where they'd be productive, or it has to be a job where there's certain supports wrapped around it. Uh, so we're not setting them up for failure. Uh, going forward, the past and the homelessness, I think for the average Canadian, they don't understand. Uh, I often say, and you've heard me say this before, when, when people describe homelessness, they usually describe uh, myself, like some older guy with a, a big beard, right? When you ask like great twos, because they have no filter. Uh, and so that's what they're seeing on the streets of downtown Toronto, uh, where homelessness, whether it's Toronto or York region, uh, most of it's hidden. Most of it looks like you and I, there's no look to it. It's just that feeling of desperation, loneliness, fear of where my next meal or am i going to survive another night uh or is someone going to find out that i don't have a place to live especially with youth that stigma that's attached to it right uh so to those people and say it's just around education and awareness that if you've had a youth crash in your your couch for a week or so as a parent one of your kids friends that's homelessness you might not have seen it as that but that's what it is mm -hmm. yeah it's a very complex situation so yeah i think we all need to be understanding and ask ourselves some more questions. But, uh, you've started talking about this, but really, right now, what is the situation of homelessness here in New York Region? Well, so in New York Region, we have you know, nine, uh, nine municipalities, a master geographical region, so it's really, really spread out. Our last point in time counts, so every few years, uh, the region, the United Way, come together and work with agencies. We try and get a glimpse of on any given night how many people are experiencing homelessness uh during the pandemic we did one it was a little tough to do of course during pandemic times so our last two point in time counts have us between the low 300s and the high 300s of people experiencing homelessness uh there are accounts that say that could be as much as five times as that that uh for people who are, are not in the shelter system but i think what we've seen over the past uh few years is that yes the pandemic was tough on us all but on our most vulnerable even more so with rising costs uh the face of homelessness has changed even a little bit more so and that we're seeing more and more people working full-time push into emergency shelter system because they don't have different options of affordable housing to them in fact i think it's 85 percent of uh individuals have said it's uh, solely just an income piece as to why they need affordable housing. It's not really the wraparound supports. There's a large chunk that do, but for 85% of people, if we had different income supports set up in Canada, uh, we'd never see them in the, the housing system. Ooh, that's a sobering thought. A question I wanted to ask you was, let's dream you had forgiven $500 million. Would that save? Would that 
to f- fix all the homeless problems? Well, I think it's it's homelessness costs uh, Canadians seven billion dollars a year, right? So we have to look at, and I, I think, and I was just talking with uh, uh, a politician today, saying, "Look, we understand we've got to stop going to politicians just uh, pointing out the challenges that we face or the problems, but we have to. It's going to be solution based, right? So I, I think that one of the big solutions missing across the country. There's two big pieces: it's income supports. Uh, right now in Ontario, if you look at Ontario Works, which is social assistance, or ODSP, which is a disability uh, assistance, one, about $700 a month for OW, and ODSP, which is disability, is about $1,200 a month. Right now, if you add those up, say it's around $8,000 or $13,000 a year uh, in income, and you need a household a household income of $100,000 a year to afford a one-bedroom apartment in the GTA, the gap is huge, right? So a lot of it is around income and we need the federal government to step up and say to the provinces much like they did with child care much like they've done with health care to say hey we're going to bring x number of billions to the table you have to match that not decrease your end but match it bring it up and that 85 percent i talked about we'll, we'll never see again right well, well we have more than enough shelter spaces if that's the case right so that's a big one too but then it's also building affordable housing right now we have less affordable housing than we did in 2015 because for every new one built we're losing and i've heard everywhere from 7 to 15 to both the private market buying them uh changing them up a bit and so they're no longer affordable and crumbling infrastructure we saw that with toronto community housing a few years back and the feds stepped up where i mean they were losing all sorts of units just because they didn't have the infrastructure dollars to keep them up so so people were moving and they were being rebuilt right so that's going to change so not only do you have to build new housing to focus on that supply as the pr- province has talked about 150,000 units a year they have to be deeply affordable defined as 30 percent of someone's income uh, household income and they also you also have to invest in keeping them up year after year after year right so i think it is affordable housing now deeply affordable uh the cmhc programs that are out there right now federally to get affordable housing rolling just aren't cutting it march i mean for an organization like blue door uh to actually build we actually have land we could build on but when you you do the finances around it if we're to borrow money against it we can't provide the deeply affordable units we need to provide and at the same time service that debt it won't work so we need to change those types of programs it's got to be quicker it's got to be accessible we're seeing more and more seniors coming into homelessness with accessibility challenges adding another layer to that as well so we're looking at affordable accessible um, and greater income supports I mean, the, the income supports and the housing, if we did those two things, it would make a world of difference. And you know what? We'd spend a lot, but guarantee that the savings in healthcare um, and, and and all these other different areas would come down as they do when people are housed. Yeah, very, very complex, different, difficult issue. It's not just giving money. It's it's uh, a, lot of, a lot of work needs to get done. And I like your phrase, deeply affordable that uh, it's not just affordable it's deeply affordable is what we need so yeah work you not you uh, cannot retire anytime soon michael <laughs> okay one program that you have started up there not certain how much credit you'll take for it but it's the construct program and i really think that is a key uh, to uh, solving the problem so can you tell us about the construct program because i, I know it's about getting people Educate uh, with skilled trades, but it's more than that. 
Yeah, yeah, which when I look at, I mean, it, Construct, in a sense, is a bit born out of failure. And I've been a part of the, the problem, I say, for years, where I've been involved with employment programs that had the best intentions. So we'd say, hey, Marge, you know what? You're not working. Let's get you a job. You're going to make minimum wage. The hours are going to be terrible. You're probably not going to like the job either. And so, and it's not going to pull you to poverty. And I wonder why it didn't work. In fact, our most vulnerable who just need a win, we're almost setting them up for another failure, which is a huge setback, right? So Construct was born out of the not, let's not just do good enough. Uh, too often on the, in, we're working with vulnerable people. I think we think good enough, right? Uh, you know, and I'm sure you get these emails too, where people are like, look at this amazing sleeping bag. Uh, for people experiencing homelessness or a better tent. We don't need a better tent or a better sleeping bag. Or they'll say, look at this great program where they have people experiencing homelessness are most vulnerable, picking up the garbage and doing the jobs that no one else wants to do. Where is the dignity in that, right? It's just, you know, everyone deserves that dignity um, and doing something. So so we we got to get out of that good enough concept right of uh just slap down a a tarp over someone's head and think we've, we've saved the day yes you might save a life for a night but let's think forward and construct is that it's like and, and like most of the innovative uh programs i've been involved in they uh, we took the idea from somewhere else right like a 360 kids the night stop program which is a host homes program was taken from the uk uh at raising the roof when we did uh reside which is uh taking a look at the thousands of vacant homes across the country and repurposing them for deeply affordable housing. That was borrowed from the UK as well. And, and they're really good at doing that. Uh, there's a program called Upstream that was born out of Australia that we that the um, Away Home Canada has brought over. But Construct, there is a bunch of these across the country. Uh, building Up is one in uh, in Toronto. And I, my friend Mark, who I worked, Soberano, I worked with when I was at Raising the Roof, I said, Mark, would you come north of Steel? He said, I'm busy enough in Toronto, but hey, if you want to do it, go for it. So we set up Construct. And what Construct is, it's a construction uh trades-based social enterprise. So if you think of it as, hey, Blue Door now is a construction company. So if someone says, hey, I need you to build us a house or do a, a basement renovation or landscaping or or uh, a construction team says, hey, we want to sub this out to a group, we can do that work. So we have experts on our team that are um, experts in construction and in the trades, and they do the work. But what you don't pay for, because that's going to be, you know, competitive pricing, great work. What you don't pay for are the six to eight individuals that are coming along with them that are in a paid, which is important to pay people while they're in a training program. They have to get by and live. So it's a paid training program for eight weeks. And then we do that in partnership with Leona 506, uh, a trades union based out of Richmond Hill. They've got a massive training center there. It's beautiful. They have four different trades. They get some certifications during the first couple of weeks where they're on the job. And then they spend the rest of the time uh, on job sites with the Blue Door con Construct team doing work and learning. Now, what, what they've said in the unions is it's not so much that we're teaching them the, you know, the specific skills of here's how you're going to build something, but it is, can they... Are, are they up for doing labor and, and will they show up? And if they'll do that, the unions desperately need people across the country. That's the cool thing about Construct is we desperately, you know, the, the federal government has said we need 3 million homes by 2030. 
the provincial government says they want says they want to build 150,000 homes a year and currently we're at about half of that they need people desperately to build it so it's solving that it's getting people into the trades but the coolest part about construct and why i say it was born out of failure right away when someone goes into a trade they're making a living wage immediately and it's meaningful work i mean how many people could point at something and say yeah i was part of that i built that i did the drywall there i did the uh, hazmat uh, work on that right so so all that kind of um, work that that people are doing so it's pretty cool and here's the other kicker is that for blue door when we're getting these jobs we're bringing in non-restricted funds to blue door not in the backs of government so if we want to build housing hey we're bringing in our own revenue and and guess what we can hire that extra housing worker we could do that without uh, doing a fundraiser or without pushing government harder um, and of course, so everyone wins out of that. It gives us the flexibility to get it done. And in, in two years, that program's been running. We've put over 200 people into the trade. So it's a very high success uh, rate for people going through the program. And it's now been duplicated. So we have cohorts in Durham and now in Peel. And the hope now is to take it around the province and across the country. Woo. So if someone is interested in, say, renovating their basement uh, they just go on the blue door website find the con construct and contact you and things will happen that's right that's right so we'll send an estimator out uh they'll take a look at the job and give you a, uh, a quote on that and and then just like any other contractor so you can feel really good to say hey not only did i get this done and it, it was a fair price it's great work i'm really happy with that but guess what? I was part of the solution in preventing homelessness because now six to eight people got some experience and are going into the trades just for hiring construct, which I was going to do anyways because I needed the work done. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I'm ready to tell everyone about that because we really, really need, I think it's a, a great solution. So I commend you to being a part of that. So it's a, it's all very good. Okay. So... You know, how can an individual in the community help alleviate the suffering of those who currently find themselves homeless? Well, that's a, it's a great question and one that people often ask, like, you know, like, what can I do about it? Yeah. Right. And there's a few different ways, right? If you are more of a hands-on, I would love to get involved. I'd love to volunteer. I'd love to actually chat with people experiencing homelessness to get that feel. We have our Mosaic Interfaith Out of the Cold program that is driven by the faith community and volunteers who come in and do that work. So you could volunteer for that. That's seasonal, usually from uh, late October, early November. This year, it's, it's actually just been extended until June, but it usually goes till April, May-ish. Um, and so you could get involved in that. If that's not really, you're saying, well, no, I don't really want the hands-on piece, but I'd like to actually be part of the solution. Really, the biggest thing you could do is be an advocate uh, and, and go to your MPPs, go to your MPs, go to your local counselors and push them to make it uh, make it uh, matter, right? And that's uh, right now the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness, Homelessness, if you go on their site quite often, they make it so easy that they'll say, hey, we need this housing benefit. We got to tell our MPPs. We put all, here's a white paper with all the work that's put into it. Just click this and and you'll, the, with your postal code, you'll get that letter already pre-made sent off to your local people and they respond to it. And if they get enough of those, that causes some pressure to take some action, right? And it's worked. I mean, 
housing was really on the radar in the last few elections, both provincially and federally. Uh, so people have had to answer and push and uh, and create programs around it. And so that's what you really can do uh, or get involved again locally. There's other volunteer opportunities that you can get involved in. Some are small. You can serve on a board of directors uh, for vulnerable populations at Yellow Brick 360, Blue Door, uh, and many, many others that are doing great work uh, in the region or across the country. Um, you know, and that's a little different. You focus on governance um, and or you could just the one off projects when we're doing things like uh, putting up a fence, uh, putting in vegetable gardens, serving food in from the cold. The new market does incredible work and they have all sorts of great um, opportunities for groups to come in and feed meals to our most vulnerable people as well. So lots of ways to be part of the solution for sure. With 360 Kids, I know it's about Blue Door, but we all work together. They are looking for host home families. And that's a program where if you have a large house and maybe you have a bunch of bedrooms you're not using, 360 Kids takes a kid who is very, very low risk, meaning maybe they had a blowout with family. Maybe they came out to family. They don't want them to go in the shelter system, but maybe they can stay in a community uh uh, house for a couple of days, like someone's home in the community that they vetted. Um, and then you give them a meal in a room and it saves them from going in the shelter system, prevents homelessness. And maybe they work on reconciliation uh, with the family, or maybe they figure out an apartment for them to go to. So, so many ways in this region uh, to be part of the solution. Very good. Thank you for, for listing that. I want to make sure that everyone knows about your weekly podcast on the way home. Uh, you were an inspiration for me to start the Connecting the Community podcast. You talk to people all over the world. It's quite interesting. Uh, I don't know how you find all these people, but uh, I really look forward to them. There's over 120 episodes. And uh, really, I'm discovering amazing people doing amazing things. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I think the podcast came out of just what I was talking about is that, um, you know, what are the solutions or, or, or what, you know, what are some of the challenges? What are the solutions? And, and like I said, when we look at, okay, what can we do employment wise? We didn't want to do the same old, same old, but someone was doing something really cool in Toronto. And someone's doing something cool in the UK. So the idea is to really share these amazing ideas that are scalable across the country to share some of those stories of hope. Uh, recently, we had uh, a gentleman on who almost died on the streets who saw his girlfriend murdered in front of him. He was heavily uh, addicted and, and sought help and then worked at the place he sought help at and now is the executive director of that place, right? So it's a pretty cool story uh, and, and really has that lived experience to shape how they serve their clients, right? Uh, and it really is sharing all that. And we share a lot of research when great research comes out from the National Advisory uh, Council on Poverty, uh, when Maytree does work around Welfare Canada, when the United Way puts out different reports, uh, we give them a venue to, to, to share that and get that work out. I uh, talk about that. We've had the National uh, Housing Advocate on to talk about what her priorities are. And I think it really is a 20 to 30 minute conversation with some brilliant people that are doing great work that you can copy, whether it's 3D homes or modular homes. Um, it, it's all on there. Yeah, no, it's a uh, thank you for doing it. It's really a wealth uh, of inspiration. So it's uh, I encourage everyone to listen to my podcast and your podcast. So uh, we uh, yeah, it's all good. Anything else that you want to add? 
No, I think, you know, you are one of the best community connectors that I've ever seen uh, in action. So I think it's natural for you to do this podcast. I think it's a great way uh, for people to hear more, learn more. It's a, it's, I've, I've felt that this kind of format is really informative and helpful and so easy to access. So congrats. Um, and, and I think this is uh, going to make a big difference. Thank, thank you. You start your podcasts always with the question, what does home mean? I've taken that and tweaked it. I end my, I end my podcast with the question, what does, uh, name one thing you really like about this community? One thing only eh, that I really like about this community. Um, I'm trying to think of the word, right? Like if I say one thing, I really like how um, it's not a sense of competitiveness with people doing great work like there might be in other communities, but it really is people work well together. Um, and I say that, that I can reach out to my colleagues at Yellow Brick 360 Kids, uh, the Craftsman Center, or, or and we all kind of do our piece and are looking out for each other rather than competing and duplicating. I love that sense of partnership and the sense of we are in this together. Uh, and what I've felt across York region, this is a long-winded answer, sorry, Marge, is that the community gets it as well. As soon as they understand, they get on board and they fought for it. I've saw in times where I, I didn't think it was going to happen, where 360 Kids was building, or the region was building a new hub uh, for uh, people to live in and you know, and also for 360 kids to be hosted in where uh, there was some, you know, negative uh, nimbyism happening. The community rose and, and came together and pushed it through. And so that, I love that uh, sense of love for our most vulnerable in this community and for all our partners that, that again, it's not competitive. It's working towards the same goal. And that, that makes us pretty special. Very good. Thank you for that. Uh, that answer It wasn't a quick thing of, I like this, but a very good answer. So again, thank you, Michael, for taking the time to do this podcast. And I hope I see you around town soon. Thanks for the opportunity, Marge. Uh, and uh, thank you for the work that you're doing and for sharing uh, all this information. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at Marge, M-A-R-J, at MargeAndre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected. <laughs>